Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ghana's Podcast. I'm joined by an internet colleague of mine who I'm very fond of is Ashley Faria. Oh, my God. You just told me your name and then I forgot it. What, what is it again? It's Farius. Ashley Farius. <laughs> Welcome on. Sorry to blank on you. Literally right at... I just said I was a great listener, too, and look at me. No, it's okay. Sometimes the nerves of it all, I get it. Yeah, big moment. Uh, how's your day been so far? Um, it's been good, very long. I've been up since 5 a.m., so um, I still have to go to work again later. So I definitely have a longer night-ish ahead of me. Um, um, what do your, what's your schedule typically look like? I know that as trainers, we can kind of build out our schedule, how we like it to look. Do you think you're there yet in terms of having everyone booked all at the start of the day or at the end of the day? So that's a really cool question. I've been getting that a lot lately. And essentially it's my schedule is a little unique that I actually do go to the gym at two different times of the day. Um, but I have the leisure of doing that because I actually live like five minutes away from the gym that I work at. That's great. Yeah. So I'll usually I have like two clients the most like in the morning around 10 and 11 AM or 12. Um, and then I'll just work out and come home, do whatever I need to do, text clients or just relax, eat, catch up on some other things, chores, whatever that is until I go back in the gym around usually around five, six, seven, eight PM. Oh, wow. Yeah. So people like to work out after work, which is usually after four o'clock, but I do have it in the sense that like, I have some clients at 2 PM. I have some clients at 3 PM. And so it's been kind of a weird schedule. Every day is technically pretty different. <laughs> what, what does your ideal schedule look like? Is it like everyone from five to 10 AM Monday through Friday? No, 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 no. So it's like, I mean, ideally, I, I really like the way I do it now, which might seem backwards to some people, but I really like the fact that I can go in the morning for like one or two hours with like for, for two sessions. And then I get this break to do whatever I want. That could be eating, working out and stuff. And then when I'm recharged again, I can just go back at five and six and 7 PM for three other clients in the day. So essentially it's a, a five hour work day. I've got to say that gives me not anxiety, but I'm just like, I'm so the opposite of you. I want to be booked from five or 6 a.m. to 12 and I'm done with the rest of my day. I'm going to go walk in the park, but I guess you can do all these things too. It's just like, you don't mind working in the morning and then at night in that big gap in the day is kind of your day, huh? Yeah. And so I used to do the way that you're, you're speaking of where it's just like, you know, 10 to five or something like that. But I was just, I would get so burnt out from doing that and just tired. And I didn't like the way I felt because at that point that I didn't feel like I was really giving my clients my best version of myself or like the yeah. best attention. So when I finally quit working for, you know, other people, I was like, I'll do my own schedule. And I really liked the idea of having just like one or two hours in the morning and then the rest fills up in the afternoon. Cause then in between that time I can, I'm, I'm an introvert. I get very exhausted working with people very fast. Oh my gosh. Yes. So to, to be doing that back to back is just really tiring for me. If I get that little break, I get to kind of recharge a bit sure. and go back. And cause as you know, right. With working with people, it's, it's kind of like part-time training, part-time therapy and being their friend and just like a whole counseling. Like you just like, you get to know them and you talk to them and, sure. and you ask them questions cause you want to know how their life is and how, you know, because that, that influences, you know, the whole training and their, their goals, whether that's fat loss or building muscle, just improving their overall health. So it's, it's exhausting, you know? I, just... I know exactly what you're saying. My therapist uh, said that I was an introverted extrovert. So I am introverted, but I am an extrovert in the way that I can connect with people really well and easily. Like it comes very easy for me to just talk and, and connect, but it literally sucks the life out of me. Like, yeah. and that's why, like, I can do podcasts easily because I'm not like there with you. So like, I'm big on energy, right? So like, I'm not definitely like physically in the room with you. So I can kind of just talk to people. But man, I, I mean, I remember being at the gym I was training at and I trained maybe four or five hours in a row. And it seemed like I couldn't catch my breath. I was so exhausted. Exactly. Yeah, I hated that feeling. So I was like, I'm not doing that again. 
we know how that works. <laughs> and so I wanted to ask, you are uh, a trainer in Boston, right? Um, I'm an hour away from Boston. Why? I just took where? from Boston. <laughs> Wait. Wait, where are you then? I'm in Fall River. It's a city um, at the border, close to the border of Massachusetts, where Rhode Island and Massachusetts meet. Oh, interesting. Do you, so what's the drawback or not drawback, but what are the pros and cons of like living in Boston? And then do you like love where you live right now, the Fall River place? Yeah. I mean, I've never lived in Boston. I temporarily lived with my sister in Boston when I had my Boston internship. Um, and I've always lived in Fall River. So Boston is very, to put it this way, it takes you 30 minutes to get from Boston to Boston. That made no sense to me. <laughs> so like if you wanted to go what was supposed to be like five, 10 minute drive at one end mm. of Boston to the other end of Boston, yeah, or like a portion would actually take you half an hour to 45 minutes because the traffic is just so condensed. Sure. It's always like bumper to bumper usually. Well, with the pandemic, it's been better, I guess. But yeah when I would intern, my 30 minute commute would be an actually a two hour commute because of that's, how much people are just driving. <laughs> so no, that, that's that, the issue thing about it. That reminds me of a, um, like a small anecdote I have. So Austin, it'll take you like anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes to drive through the whole thing from North to South Austin, but yeah. in regular traffic, that'll take you anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and I remember it was new year's day. So, you know, new year's Eve, people are out partying and drinking. And like, I was in an Airbnb with my friend. And so, yeah, we did go out, but we also woke up really early and, and, you know, closed out the Airbnb and we went back home to a place that was like 40 minutes away from where we were staying. So we had to drive through Austin and it literally took five minutes on January 1st. It was like North to South. We were through, wow. it was like eye opening. I was like, is this what it should be like? It was, it was pretty wild. That must have felt insane. Like <laughs> insane. almost like, like a Twilight Zone moment. Like, is this happening? Yeah. Insane as I was still slightly hungover, just like in the passenger seat, like half alive. I was like, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and, and then I got to ask Boston, or I, I keep saying Boston now, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, the coffee scene. Is it like that legit? Is it life-changing or I don't know if it's just like, you know. Um, it's like a culture thing. It's funny because I was telling somebody this and I, and then I had seen a Facebook post from one of my friends where it's like, everyone hates Duncan, but everyone loves Duncan at the same time. Huh, okay. So like there are people always getting Dunkin Donuts coffee and in the winter they're getting iced coffee, which makes no sense to me, but it's just always having coffee on hand. Everyone runs on Duncan here, but at the same time, those same people will tell you which Dunkin' to go to, who knows which order, how to do it right. And then they'll still complain like, Dunkin' never gets my order right. And I'm like, well, then why do you keep going there? You know, it's if you're going to keep complaining, why do you still go? And everyone does that. So what I'm hearing is that not all Dunkin' Donuts are created equal. No, because I think, I believe like some of them are. Like Like franchise and then chain or something like that yeah yeah some are franchise some are chain so it depends on i guess who's running it and obviously you know if you've had employees working there for a while they know the regulars too i just find duncan really inconsistent like i've bought the actual coffee grinds hold on are you are you going on record right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i am i am I love that. I am an anti-Duncan. I guess not anti-Duncan, but I just don't think they're that good. Okay. I respect Uh, this. Especially since I've never had a cup of Duncan coffee. Who am I to tell you? Like, no, I think you're wrong on that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, Duncan is just all right. Like, I I get it. Um, But if you buy, like, the actual ground coffee yourself and make your own Duncan at home, it's pretty good. But going to the actual place doesn't taste the same, in my opinion. Right. There's so many places in Austin that I, I think are gassed up and I'm just like, I don't know why I'll go there, but um, I digress. So I wanted to ask you too, you seem like you're very festive, um, real big in a spooky season. I've been watching a lot of scary stuff when you told me that this was like a week or two ago, but I'll, every night I just watch scary things. Um, I watched Bly Manor, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah. But I know I'm a year late, but that was such a beautiful show and really sad. And I started the new one, the um, 
the haunting or like midnight mass it's the same creator it's like the third series it's like an anthology so no you know like no seasons are related to each other but same actors and stuff like that it's really good i'm on episode two now oh cool i've been hearing about it but i haven't taken the time to watch it um i had just finished watching death note because i felt like that was spooky season enough yeah i wanted to ask you uh are are you going to be dressing up for halloween like do you have a costume in mind um well i just had a halloween party this past weekend and i was piglet my sister was winnie the pooh (laughs) so that was my costume um i'm not doing anything else for halloween although i might do a factory of terror event which is this place in florida where you literally pay to go into this house or not really a house is actually a giant mill but you go into this this room this multiple rooms um building where you get scared by people in costumes and stuff like that which i'm sure you've seen that in other places right yeah what do you what do you call that here in texas we call that a haunted house oh i guess so it's like that except bigger oh wow yeah because it's not just a house it's um it's like a mill a whole do you know what a mill building is um yes also speaking of since we're talking about spooky season i need to release this like today or tomorrow then because i wanted to kind of sync up with halloween so cool i'll release it today or tomorrow Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's good. I mean, spooky season is every season in my heart. So <laughs> see, I love that. Like you're, you're down about like Halloween. I, I, I love that. Um, I remember like, gosh, have you ever heard that story too? There's like a haunted house and people are walking through it. They're getting scared and they look into a tub and there's like this person eating brains. Have you heard of this before? No, it was real. Like there was a cannibal in the building. Ew, no way. Yes, yes way. I got to look this up. Um, But I remember reading that story like years ago and I was just like freaked out. I just, you know, you're in a scary building. Everyone's screaming, you're getting scared. And you look at this thing and you think it's like fake, but it's like legitimately real. You find out later that dude was actually eating brains. Oh, isn't that terrifying? Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of speaking of, this isn't even on the, the list of questions I wrote down, but do you have any like, scary anecdotes or stories that like happened maybe 10 15 years ago but you can still remember it like it was yesterday um not off the top of my head um I guess something that does happen and not like a specific event but I'm sure you 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 might have felt this because I've asked other people it's like do you ever lay on your bed or like you're just in your room and you suddenly feel like something or someone is sitting on the edge of your bed. Like you almost feel it sink a little bit. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That happens to me <laughs> every, every once in a while I'll get that feeling and it spooks me a little bit. Yeah. I, that happens to me a lot when I'm sleeping and I'll feel that dip in the, the cover or the bed, like more so on my body though. Like, you know, like maybe the side of my stomach and it's just like, it like goes in. Ooh, that is creepier. Cause at least like it, for my feeling, it's on the other side, but you're feeling yeah. it right there. It's like super visceral. Um, it's, I, I hate that. Um, or what about those times? Have you ever had a, you know how like you wake up here and there throughout the night, just twist and turn. Do you ever have those dreams that continue, even though you woke up twist and turned and they still continue? Yes. And it's always the ones you don't want to continue. Yeah. And they just like build and build and build. It blows my mind how that happens. Yeah. It, it almost feels like, and whenever you have those nights, it, those feel like the longest nights. Like, I feel like I've been sleeping forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I've been like my whole life. Yeah. And then like you wake up and like, you're like, finally I'm awake, but I felt like I was sleeping forever, but it, it wasn't necessarily good sleep. Yeah, or it just felt like like I had a whole day that happened in my sleep because like all that happened in my <laughs> dream felt so real. Yeah, there's a there's yeah. a story I have where I'm I'm probably anywhere from four to six years old and I'm playing with my brother and my cousin and we're playing like a game in front of us. We're like on our knees and we're just looking down at the ground and then I take my attention behind my cousin who's right here in front of me. And behind him is this person with a beanie on and like this large knife right behind him. 
and he's kind of like he's not he's translucent so like you can kind of see through him and he's got like this on his face and he's like going like that and i scream my cousin's name and he just poofs he's gone but like i saw this i saw this is that weird that is weird i actually think it's weird that you were able to scream yeah like it because i wasn't dreaming i was just like i armando like i, I said his name and and he yeah, was like, yeah. looked up and then it was gone um oh wait this wasn't a dream no this is real life this is real life i was like four or five years old and again i'm playing with my brother and my my cousin oh i thought you had a dream no this was real creepier yeah that's what i'm saying oh no this is the spooky episode we're, we're letting the stories fly Oh God. Okay. Jeez, <laughs> no, I did not have that experience. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> I'm four years old. I'll tell you this one too. I remember being in the crib, um, looking up and like above me, there's like three large figures. You can only see the silhouette and it's extremely bright. Um, but on two sides, there's a lady in the middle and she's holding a, a large book like this. Right. And then on the side are two like humongous figures. They were men and like they each had wings. And like, again, you couldn't see like any like facial features or anything. You could just see the silhouette of what their body shapes look like in like the hand with the book. Really weird. Right. That's very bizarre. I know. And that's that's a little creepy. I know. But mostly but bizarre. We'll we'll pivot, though. You're a personal trainer, and I want you to enlighten people on kind of like how you got into training, uh, how long you've been doing it, because something I can say is I really appreciate um, your page, and I, I don't say that to many people because there's so much disingenuous and, and disinformation in the health and wellness industry, so I, your page is one of those that really sticks out to me, so please just kind of tell people what you do. Oh, thank you so much. It's really nice of you to say that. Um yeah very heartwarming uh i do try to put like good content out there i guess i'm very sick and tired of seeing like black and whites and like x's and o's and like don't do this do that yeah so my so how i got into fitness is i used to be unhealthy overweight and didn't know what a vegetable was <laughs> so um then I one day was like really, really sick of it. And I had tried other things like eating special K and, you know, doing cardio and that nothing worked until I found the wonderful world of Tumblr. And I learned that there's things <laughs> called, it was so stupid. Tumblr was the catalyst for my fitness journey. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cause I was able to like see people blogging about like what it actually meant to eat sure. healthier and stuff. And I was like, okay. So the gist of it is that I need to move more and I need to eat something that's called vegetables and, um, drink more water. I'm like, okay, I can do those things. Yeah. So like slowly but surely I started eating healthier. I'd ask my parents to buy certain groceries and I started losing some weight there. Then I learned about like, oh, I really like to run. So I started running a lot. Then I did Pilates and I explored a lot of different things in the beginning to find what I really liked. Um, and then the, the, the sad story, part of the story was that I ended up getting an eat, eating disorder from it, mm. which I think is really, unfortunately, really, really common for any woman that ends up in the health and fitness world working sure. themselves. Yeah. So I ended up um, finding my way out of that by actually learning about like, what is a protein? What is a carb? What is a fat? Like, we're not just concerned about calories now. Like we're learning about food. Like it's nutrients. Like how are we going to optimize our, our way of eating so that I can actually eat healthy, but still enjoy myself and not with the way to nothing. I, I love that. I, I kind of have questions off of that response right there. Um, yeah. So Tumblr, it's your catalyst for health and wellness, et cetera, et cetera. At this time, are you actively a trainer or are you just kind of like a young Padawan learning about the ways of health and wellness? Yeah, I was a young Padawan. I think I was 16 when I was like figuring it all out at first. And then I believe you, how old are you now? You're 24, right? I'm 25. Okay, 25. So this was nine years ago. So my other question for you was, so you're digesting this info off um, Tumblr. How much of it was disinformation? Like, was it, because it, it sounds like you had a, a nice kind of journey into 
exploring things and, and, you know, having a good time with it, which I feel like is harder to do nowadays because there's so much information out there and it's not audited the best. So you're, you're seeing a lot of like, you know, scare tactics or six day fixes and things like that. What was it like kind of going through that information back in the day and learning how to do things at a slower, maybe more uh, beneficial rate? Yeah. So when I first started, it was really nice because I was just kind of, I was doing it the right way in the sense that I was just testing the waters. I was trying one thing and then trying to stick to that thing. And then when I was ready, I would add something new, like a new vegetable or a different form of physical activity. Um, And that was really cool. Like when I was on Tumblr, it was more about like just promoting the basics, a lot of the basics of like eating more whole foods, drinking more water and moving, which was fine. Um, I think the misinformation fell along the lines of like stuff of like detoxing or only eating this, or if you're hungry, you're not actually hungry. You're just thirsty, which is Mm. true in some senses, but in a lot of senses, it's, you're actually hungry, you know, like eat something. Um, or, um, there were actually eating disorder accounts that I didn't realize at the time where people were literally promoting anorexia. Mm. So it was, it was, um, there was definitely dark sides of Tumblr and health and fitness. Um, and that's kind of where the, some of the misinformation was. And then fitness, like physical fitness wise, I was seeing constant, like do this Tabata workout or do this workout. And then people would share their information and like some of the information shared was legitimate, but most of it was like constant Tabata and running. Like that was the thing. Yeah. Running in Tabata. And I was like, okay, I got to do that in Pilates apparently. So then when I was really skinny and my sister introduced me, she like, she was like, Hey, have you ever heard of flexible dieting? There's these really strong guys who do this and they're really jacked and lean and they eat the stuff. And I'm like, that's stupid. But then later that night I was Googling all about it. I was like, what is this stuff anyways? Um, and then slowly, but surely I, my sister and I went to the school's gym, obviously, cause I was 16. So we had a, a small gym in the basement for the football players that they allowed anyone else to go in, but nobody yeah. really used it. Cause nobody knew that you had access to it. Mm. So slowly I was using those resistance bands and like five pound dumbbells. And I started, you know, building muscle and strength training. Um, but I was still like scared to, to gain weight. Right. Cause when you're so focused on losing the weight, it becomes like, Oh, okay. No, I have to stop yeah. losing. Like, how do I do that? I'm so used to eating low calorie foods all the time. Yeah. You start exactly. scared of food and other, like you, you start over-exercising to make sure you don't gain any weight. And so that was a huge learning mm-hmm. curve. There's a, a big kind of like a, not acronym, but, um, whatever, but the way I like to display it is a pendulum, right? So, you, you know, our, our behaviors or, or characteristics, we're on the pendulum. So we'll go too far on one side and then the ramification is we'll slam back to the other side. And it's so hard to find that, that balance of where you should be nice and in the, the middle ground. And even for me, um, you talk about like nutrition and, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lean out and I've been working with a new, uh, nutrition coach for about five months. I, I love working with her. Um, Yay. shout out to Erica. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Erica. Today. Oh, happy birthday, Erica. Yeah, she's great. Um, and I told you, I'm trying to lean out and I'm in month five of working with her and I'm still at my maintenance calories. So she's all about like getting me fed, getting me to eat correctly. Cause I chronically, I was probably under eating every day for probably years now. Um, so it's been really nice to kind of just find my maintenance calories and just kind of slowly creep up from there. And I think probably in six to eight weeks, we'll finally start dipping down, um, which is cool, but it's taken me like a long time to not only eat that much, but build the habit of, of eating that much consistently every single day, instead of being like 2,300, 1,600, 3,200, you know, it's like, no, can you do this? Can you earn this? Right. So I, I think that's what I really enjoy working with her. Nice. Yeah. Good for you. I'm really happy to hear that. That's definitely like an issue that I've experienced in the past too. It's like where one day you're eating a lot and the next day you have no appetite because you ate so much the day before. And then it's really this vicious cycle of like overeating, undereating, overeating, undereating. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And that was again, one of my other questions too, I wrote down, like, it seems like you're big on nutrition and I wrote why. Um, but I can understand it now when you tell me about kind of how you went about learning, how did you kind of, um, 
you know, you realize you have this eating disorder that you developed. How did you kind of, and, and if you have dispel that away, and then now you have a healthier relationship with, with food, what, what did that process look like? Cause I feel like that's a success story. Yeah, it was, it's funny. Cause at the time I didn't realize it. It's, it was only after the facts that I was like, I could acknowledge like, yeah, I definitely had a problem. <laughs> um, I guess there was a huge turning point where I was actually going to the doctors every week to make sure I wouldn't lose any more weight. Cause my mom was getting concerned. Wow. She was like, Ashley, you're, you're losing too much weight. You're getting too small. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. And then she didn't believe me. So I would just get regular weigh-ins of the doctor. And then one day my doctor was like, you've lost weight again. If you come back to the next appointment and you weigh less, you're going to a clinic. And I was like, I don't want that. Damn. I don't want that. So I got really scared. And then um, I started taking my sister's words into consideration. But th- that same week, right, I we had a huge fight in my house, like between my mom, my sister and my dad. We're talking about like, we all just were walking on eggshells. It was a very stressful time. It was winter. It was dark. Everyone was like stressed from work. And I was stressed and depressed from school and weight loss. And like, it was just so much that everyone exploded. Yeah. And I remember my mom looking at me and telling me, she's like, something's wrong with you. Like you're sick in the head or something's wrong with you. And it really hurt me at the time when she had said that. And I was like, wow, like she really sees me that way. And then Mm. I knew she just meant it as like, why aren't you how you used to be? Right. She's like, I just want you happy and normal again. But it came out that way instead. And then that was kind of like, okay my doctor is saying it, my mom is saying it and my sister is saying it. So I need to do something. So I slowly started, like, I gave myself some peace by tracking my food and calories and getting a scale and like learning what portion sizes were. And I'm like, Oh my God, is that what a four ounce piece of chicken looks like? I've actually been eating two this whole time, you know? So I like learned slowly what portion sizes were and like how that all added up. And I was like, wow, I actually wasn't eating much at all. And now that I'm I'm eating more food, I have more energy for other things. I don't feel as lethargic all the time. And so it was a very slow and gradual process. And I'm talking like years. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, like when you do start tracking, when I did start tracking macros, I felt a lot of freedom, but I was still obsessed. Right. I was still anal about getting the right macronutrients numbers. And when I went out to eat, I couldn't eat certain things because I didn't have macros on them, you know? So I was still obsessed, but in a different way. So, and, and was it slowly by just being aware of these little nuances of the disorder that you were able to kind of just break through it or or break away from it over time? Like you said, over the course of a few years. Yeah, it was, it's basically like that over the few years I had like slowly worked on eating more than my other goal was to eat consistently. Like you had just mentioned, I had a habit of not eating consistently. So that was the other next goal. And then it was like, okay, then how, let me try just going out and not tracking, like just, just eat, you know? And I definitely fucked up a lot of time. I'm sorry. I just swore. Um, I definitely messed up a couple of times. You can, you can swear if you'd like. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I swear like a sailor, unfortunately. (laughs) Do you really? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I have like a 12 year old face, but like the thoughts of a six year old man. (laughs) He's very angry with the world. I love that. That's that's so funny. Um, I, I wanted to pivot a little bit with you. So what do you what are your thoughts? There's this big um you could say meme divide in the health and wellness industry. Memes kind of came out of nowhere. And I feel like just with the way people are nowadays, you can only be on I am for the meme side or I don't like the memes. What, what's your kind of take on this? Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I did notice that as well. It's at first, I think the meme culture came out because of the pandemic and everyone's just always on their like devices. But now I'm noticing that a lot of like fitness memes are coming out and I think the memes are fine. I don't like the fact that they're using memes to attack each other. Mm. Right. I can tell when certain accounts are, blatantly calling out other people or trashing their principles and stuff like that 
despite not knowing the principles or simply just out of the fact that they find joy out of making fun of that person. And I don't like that. I just think that's a really bad usage of a meme. Like if you're going to use a meme, try to either educate or make it just funny. You know, it doesn't have to bash anyone. I've seen many well-executed memes that are not like that. Yeah. I saw one today that I really liked. It was like, uh, uh, there's a physical therapy company that I'm really tight with Eastside movement company here in Austin. And they reposted one that said, like, law trouble, you go to lawyer, um, you know, health issue, you go to a doctor. And then it's like um, pain or injury. And it's like you go to Google, then you go to social media, then you go to an influencer, <laughs> and then you go to like the physical therapist. And like, that's funny to me. That is hilarious. Yeah. See, that's a good one, right? Because then you're not really hurting anyone or bashing anyone's profession. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah, I like that. And I, I will say too, in the other aspect of memes that I've seen some bigger accounts transition from putting out informational content or just relatable content. And now they're posting like lots of memes, which seems kind of weird to me because I wouldn't, like if I were a client or a potential client, I would not seek advice or training from someone who just posts memes all day. Oh yeah, very true. You know, like, I would look for someone that has a very professional image as well as puts out good content, has testimonials. Like if they have memes, I'm less likely to reach out to them. So I find it very bizarre that some of these bigger names are actually doing memes. Maybe that's just my perspective. I don't know because I'm not a client. I am a trainer, but that's how I see it being very weird. I I like that that you view it that way. I, and the way I view it is, I laugh at some, some I just kind of roll my eyes at. Um, I, I do find it interesting, this whole like divide. And then also I wish that I could experience this like as if it were my first day as a trainer, because I think that would allow me to have more maybe empathy. Right now I'm kind of in the place where I've been training for two years and I can't recognize what it would feel like to, to kind of see this divide, but also have no idea where my footing is as a trainer. That, does that make sense? I get, yeah, yeah, I can like, see like, that. Imagine if it was like your first day. I remember my first day on the job, like I'd never trained anyone and I was so anxious and nervous. I had no idea. And I'd have coworkers that would talk about concepts and like PRI. And I was like, how do I get in? How do I learn this stuff? And then throw on top of all that a meme war. And I'm like, what does all this mean? Like I would be so right. frazzled. So yeah, okay. Maybe I solved my own, my own thing is like, maybe I, we can do better. I think we can do better. I don't think memes are, I think memes can be well executed, but I think most people aren't executing them very well. And you know, I'll say this on top of that. They're probably not getting executed because you know, you you only do things to appease other people. So you're probably seeing a huge onslaught of additional ones just because you're trying to seem cool to someone that probably doesn't care about you. It's very interesting. I mean, yeah, essentially that's what people like memes for because it just, reaffirms their their thoughts already and kind of helps them feed into this camp that they're usually in so what is that term i think that's confirmation bias yes yeah that's that's also a very spooky topic like we're getting into like some scary things aren't we (laughs) it is kind of scary um i wanted to ask you do you have any top favorite horror movies um that you could share with the listeners um yes the orphan Ooh, where can I, I watch this? The Orphan? I don't know where you can watch it. Uh, it's 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 not a new movie, but it's not like super super old. I think I watched it on Netflix. It was oh, it came out in two thousand nine. It's a horror thriller, and you could watch it on HBO Max, YouTube, Ooh. Apple TV, Amazon Prime. Okay, I'm gonna watch that. I wrote that down. So the one I would give to people is Insidious. Oh, that was going to be the next one. Really? That's so good. It's so scary. I wish I could experience it. Like it was my first time watching it in theaters again. Um, What a scary movie. Yeah, that one is scary. And I like that it's actually scary. Yes. And I was in high school when I was watching this in high school. So I played baseball. I went on to play college baseball to Juco for two years. And it was like my senior year when this movie came out. And so I was like a crazy kid, like, I loved working out, lifting and running. And, you know, I would go on runs at two or 3 a.m. Or like midnight. Yeah. And I would just run. Yeah. I'd go run eight miles or something. 
And so I remember I went to watch the movie at the theaters. It's like 1230 or 1 a.m. at night. And there's a park that I could run through. And I kid you not, like the trees were swaying differently. Like Mm -hmm. think of seeing all these silhouettes and shadows at night. And I just watched Insidious. It was so scary. Yeah, that sounds frightening. That sounds really scary. I mean, even for me, I don't do anything after dark as a woman. It's just not a good idea. It's that's unfortunate for sure. Of like, you know, I'm I'm sure it sounds otherworldly that I'm out here running it at night or <laughs> two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So the other scary movie I would recommend for people is The Conjuring, the second one. I don't think I've watched those ones. Wait, have you not seen Conjuring one or two? I'm gonna say no because I don't remember anyways. If I did, Ooh, I would highly recommend those if you haven't. They're so good. Um, but man, there's a scene in the second one where like there's toys in a hallway being moved, but no one's there. And it's just like the angle. It's so good. So you tell me I have until this weekend to watch all these movies. This yeah. So this is going to be the perfect <laughs> episode to release to people. We're, we're giving the gift of. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Have you seen The Haunting of Hill House since you saw Bly Manor? I did. What a great show. That is, you know, that character that's like he's super tall and skinny and he floats everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Poof, that's scary. Yeah. I thought that one was better than Blind Manor. So that's a good point. I need to watch Hill House again because um, it's been a while. Gosh, I think the Hill House was scarier for sure. Yeah, I but felt I, like it was. I feel like the story in Blind Manor was better. Possibly. That's fair. Maybe maybe Midnight Mass could appease the both of us and be like impress us in both ways. Ooh, yeah. Maybe I'll watch that one first then because that one's more recent anyways. For sure. So I, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the biggest myths that you have seen in the, um, you know, the fitness industry that you kind of want to, you know, go on record today and dispel uh, for people? So many. Yeah. Um, one, one, if you could, because, you know, I'm not a woman, but there's the whole, if I lift weights, I'm going to get bulky thing. If maybe they heard it from a badass trainer, that's a woman, you know, mm-hmm. could you just kind of share some things on that? Yeah. Um, so as a woman, I definitely think we need to lift more weights and I'm talking like push yourself, lift the heavy weight on like we're not talking 15 pounds for 10 15 reps i'm talking grab the 25s the 30s and push it for six to eight reps yeah because that's where you're going to get the curves and the the nice arm the t-shirt arms and and you know the body that you're craving but never really getting to despite all your hard work because it's it's and it's funny because i that's the other thing that i don't like about instagram is i see these people putting out these workout videos that are usually like tabata style or like 15 20 reps and technically like you can get hypertrophy from doing that but i really from what i've seen in my experience i've been doing this for six years now heavier weights are always the better route like that's where the glutes the hamstrings the quads that the curves that you want like that small waist and bigger hip upper body you got to create those ratios by lifting heavy weights and doing it consistently yeah. And also like when you say heavy weights, you don't mean like power lifting, right? You just mean like, like do a split squat for eight reps holding, um, you know, 20 pound dumbbells in each hand. You know, who's a really good example of that too is, um, do you know the June method, Junil? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're, we, for we're friends, we talk. Very cool. So I definitely want to have her on the podcast. Um, I've had her, I've had Chanta on. Um, from nice. New York. Yeah. But Junil's a great example of someone that, you know, you, you would look at them, but, and then you see them holding like 80 pound dumbbells and she's squatting it and she's just a stud. But then you, you also look at her and um, she has the curves that a lot of people are wanting and they're wondering why they don't have it, but they're also doing Pilates and running 20 miles a day in hopes that they can get it because they want to lose that weight. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and I get it though, because like cardio, like it's easier to burn calories and time efficiency wise, but at the end of the day, it's like, you need to lift the weights and Junil's perfect because she's so petite, Yes, but she's so jacked and she lifts all these weights. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great example. She's um, like the great example. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of like backed me up on that. It's just a great example. Um, and then it's all about marketing too. Again, the, the industry is so gimmicky. Like 
if you're a consumer, really look into the credentials of, of what you're purchasing and, and who you're backing. A good example is, you know, animal flow. I have no problem with animal flow at all, but I do have an issue with people thinking they'll look like the creator and founder of it. So this guy is jacked, like, you know, like a cover model, but you're going to tell me the animal flow made him look like that. Probably not. He probably has a huge history of lifting weights. And then he created this. Do you see where I'm going? Like people are thinking oh, yeah. that if they do animal flow, then they'll look like that. But that's just not true. Yeah. And that's the sad thing is like these people that we, that everyone looks up to, like, yes, they have great physiques, but, and they're, they're preaching these different workouts or like this different methodology of doing things, but they, they didn't build their body that way. Right. It's a lot easier to maintain the muscle once you have it by doing whatever mm. it's being wise enough and smart enough to know how to build the muscle at first which usually requires, you know, holding the two 20 pound dumbbells on your split squats, not 15s and 10s, um, to get that physique, to get those round fuller muscles. Cause once you have them, it's a lot easier to hold on to them. Yes. You can do all the other simpler animal flow and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure you'll probably still have to do other stuff too, but not to the same extent that it took you to get there. Yeah. And, and so what I really like about this conversation too, is we're identifying problems and then providing like solutions as well. So it's like, look at who you're backing, um, you, you know, make an informed choice, like really look into it. If it says seven day fix, if it says, I guarantee you, I'm probably going to say those are some red flags. Like um, it's just be aware of what you're purchasing, what you're looking into. Yeah. And that's, that's why I actually really wanted a website out because I had people who were asking questions all the time or wanted more information. And I feel like if I were looking for a trainer, I want to go somewhere where I can seek more information, like testimonials, get to know them. Cause like, that's the only way, you know, what you're getting versus like just someone's like relying off someone swearing by you'll get it in seven days or you're guaranteed this and that. Like no one can guarantee anything. Nothing yeah. in life is guaranteed. Yeah. Nothing Even in life. Like I have them sign a paper and it's six months commitment at first because it oh, takes, really? yeah, it usually takes at least six months for them to notice a difference because in the beginning you make so many mistakes, not mistakes per se, but there's a lot of baby steps that you're adjusting just to get a regular routine. This yeah. guy, like with my diet, I literally just said that I am a trained, I have a master's in exercise physiology. I've done this, that, blah, blah, blah. And it's taken me five months to kind of get into that groove of eating correctly so like if it's taking me that long people should expect to put some time into like the changes that they want to make yeah and that's actually one of the harder things with my clients is getting them to understand is like okay this weight you put on took like 10 years there's mm. no way we're going to get it off in three months yeah yeah so i i tell them like you need to stick the course for at least six months to notice the difference because it's going to take you six months to at least start building those habits and being more automatic with getting to your workouts. Like I, I have clients at least two months in who are still struggling to be consistent with their routine. And I get it. Like life is just crazy, especially totally. working 40, 50 hours a week and you have a kid or something, you know? So it takes six months to notice just the starting differences, let alone actually getting to the fitness goal. It takes like a year for a lot of people. If not don't more. even, don't even get me started on the, it takes uh, like people with kids or, or, you know, I see a lot of coaches about the revamp your morning routine for a new life. Right. And it's like, wake up at 5am, meditate, drink cup of coffee, drink cup of water, uh, read for 20 minutes, write in gratitude journal. And I'm, I'm not saying like this doesn't work, but what I'm saying is I can't extrapolate my experience onto you and say, this will replicate the same effect right? How irresponsible and kind of privileged of me to be like, wake up at five, do all these things. And by six, your life is going to change if you do this for a month to yeah. someone that has two kids and, and like twins, like that doesn't, it's, you see, how it's like, ignorant. it's ridiculous to me. Yeah. I, I don't like that mindset either. So it's, it's very ignorant to be like, yeah, you have to do this, you know, cause some people are night out. Like I function so well at night. That's why I don't mind like training five to 8 PM and then like writing programs afterwards. Cause I work so well at night. If you had told me that I need to be a 5 AM person to, to do my journal and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess I'd try it, but, <laughs> 
And I, I actually did. I, for a year, would have 5.30 a.m. workout sessions till, and then I worked till 8 o'clock, you know? Really? So, yeah, I was, for a year, I'd have, like, on and off days of 5 a.m. to to 11 and then back from three to eight. So I am, I am right now. I don't have a, you know, like a, a rhythm yet. So I got COVID in December and I don't know what happened, but prior to that, it was, I could snap my fingers and I'm, I'm working out, I'm being active, but I went through like this four month phase of like brain fog where I couldn't work out consistently. I couldn't exert myself. And then it's been so hard to recover and get back to like the old version of myself where I, snap and i i'm in the gym working out so i'm like literally trying to figure that out as i speak um i have no idea where i was going with that but (laughs) (laughs) it's okay um i've actually heard that from quite a few people i've had clients who had caught covid and they're just they can't breathe or like they feel like they're always trying to catch their breath or it's just they're not the same and even if they were already fit or they didn't have a very terrible experience it's things just don't feel right for a while. My dad had COVID seven months ago and he still can't smell anything. Dang. Like, so I I'm good on, I'm grateful enough to be good on all those friends, like breathing and everything. It's just for some reason, like I, it's so hard for me to get to the gym now. Like I fight with myself every day. So. Wow. Really? Yeah. And like, I grew up so active and, and playing outside and in sports. And again, I was like addicted to working out in a, in a healthy way. Right. So man, it's hard for me to create that habit again of like getting back. So that's what I'm working on currently. Um, I wanted to, to pivot. What is your favorite Halloween candy? Candy? Hmm. I like, um, I'm a big chocolate person. So anything chocolatey, it's mine. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> uh, Reese's, Kit Kats. Um, I'm drawing like Crunch Bars, Milky Ways, Musketeers. Like I'm all for that. I do like hard candies too, I guess, but big chocolate person. Yeah. Um, what's the Nobel prize winner? I feel like whoever created the Reese's should be given a Nobel prize because that, that creation of like peanut butter mixed with chocolate is it's undefeated. 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 I totally understand you. I used to buy it and just put the bag in the freezer so I could have it frozen. Smart. What about, um, my friend and I, we used to do this a lot. Um, Oreos in the fridge. Have you tried that? No. Oh my goodness. Red velvet Oreos in the fridge. Like the frosting is cold. It's so good. And then you dip dip that in the milk as well. Wow. I never heard of that. You got to try this. I do. I do have to try it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm gonna. So now there's like Pokemon Oreos or something special Halloween Oreos too. (laughs) Some of my favorite Halloween candy is for sure. Uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. I'm a huge fan of dots. Do you remember dots? Really? The, 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 the one that comes in the little cardboard boxes. Yeah. They, they also taste like cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. That's my childhood right there. Yeah. I love how they would just get like, I would almost choke every box because they just get stuck in your mouth. Like good, good memories. Oh my God. Really? Oh man. Those, my mouth is getting dry thinking about them. I like nerds. <laughs> nerds are good. Yeah. That, when I hear nerds, I just think of like sugar, adrenaline boost. Yeah. Yeah. My diet was terrible as a kid. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you, um, what are some big, you mentioned six years in the industry now. What would you tell yourself when you first started uh, at that age training people? And then also what has been the biggest takeaway you've had as you've developed and grown as a, a professional in the industry? What was the first question? Sorry, there was two questions. So I lost track there. Okay. If you had to go back, what would you tell yourself at that age when you were just about to start? Hmm. I tell myself that no one has it figured out. Mm, powerful. Yes, because as when I first started, it just seemed like everyone knew what they were doing and everyone understood anything besides me. But now that I look back, I realize that nobody knew what they were doing. Everyone was just pretending and still are, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would give me a lot more power. I used to get a lot of anxiety when I first started because I felt like I was, oh, I'm sorry. I was an imposter. I mean, I guess I still have a little bit of imposter syndrome. It's getting a lot better from the feedback that I'm getting from people and clients. So it's nice. 
that'd be one thing I'd tell myself back then. Um, I guess one of the biggest game changers though was constantly pursuing and finding out more. Like I didn't stick, that's not true. I mean, after my injury, I definitely like realized that there was a lot more to learn, which is unfortunate because I didn't, I would have liked to learn that without my injury. Yeah. But I realized that there was a whole world of information out there in fitness and strength training and everything is just so much deeper than it really seems. You know, like there's a whole, like, yeah, I can prescribe you a workout plan, right? But how, like, I could do one workout that everyone could try and still see results technically, but it doesn't suit the person and their needs Mm. and their time and, you know, their energy levels. Like some people are, I have to give them just four exercises for that workout and they're tanked, they're gassed. Really? And I have other clients who are at the same experience level, but they can handle like six to eight exercises. So it's very individual. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, which is why it's nice that we have Google, like you could Google a workout, but Google doesn't know you. Google doesn't know your needs. It doesn't know your lifestyle. It doesn't know, you know, where you're lacking in certain areas too. It doesn't know your cardiovascular levels, you know? So there's so much things. And I'm really, I'm really thankful that I still constantly learn and pursue, even though, like, even if I think I know something, I will still listen to a webinar that I've already got like education on it. Cause I always pick up something. It's kind of like you can watch a movie once you watch it the second time you pick up things that you missed off in the beginning. And the third time you find other Easter eggs. So it's like, it's kind of like the same thing, like constant reviewing. Don't let yourself get stuck in the same information or get like complacent. That's the word. I, I love that analogy. It's like, I watch, I've watched the office over and over and over again. Cause it's one of my favorite shows of all time. And I still catch little details in the office episodes So I like that you apply that concept to your education as well. And if we want to bring up something like really terrifying and scary during spooky season, it's the notion of like, you stop learning at some point in life. Like that terrifies me. No, yeah. I, I, I could not disagree more with that notion that like, you know, once you finish school, like, you know, I, I read something somewhere where it's like a certain percentage of people never read a book again after they graduate high school. And it was like a staggering number that petrified me because I'm a huge fan of like learning skills. Like I'm, I'm trying to teach myself how to code with Python or trying oh, to do wow, this. That's hard. Good yeah, for you. <laughs> thank you. But it, it's, it's also been extremely hard thus far. I, I cruised through like the first six weeks and then I got into like functions and equations and creating that in the code. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take it like a three week break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets really, I have a friend who works in cybersecurity and coding and stuff and he's, tried to explain it and it's just over my head I totally understand so kudos to you for honestly pursuing that so I wanted to ask you what are some practical tips that you have for people that you know there's that thing you don't know what you don't know so for someone that didn't know anything what are some practical tips that you would give someone to kind of get on that road of health and wellness and and creating a better version of themselves hmm so what would I give to someone who's trying to get better trying to improve their health and wellness. Yeah. Just like, Hey, I want to start working out. I have no idea what to do. I'd like to start eating better. I just have no idea what to do. Gotcha. I guess my rule of thumb would be stick with the most basic things. Stay away from all the fancy things and all Mm. the cool sounding things. And third would be to just, once you've got those nails, get a professional but make sure it's someone you trust, right? Cause you want to be able to, if you come to me and you've already implemented the good habits of learning how to cook, right? Just simply learning how to cook and prep food um, and being able to at least come to the gym two to three times a week, regardless of whether the workouts are good or bad. Like, you know, the perfect workout doesn't matter to me. If you have like the ability to cook your food, understand that as well as be able to stick to a routine it becomes much easier to reach your goals and work with a coach because then I I strictly have to just focus on, you know, giving you the, the more advanced information, the stuff that you think you need from the internet is usually what you don't need. It's, it's just misinformation and kind of like, uh, they, they want you to feel like you need it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of that fear-based, like you need this now. Um, Yeah. You don't, you don't. What you need to do is just get the basics, get eight hours of sleep, you know, 
that's like the hardest thing for most people getting seven to eight hours of sleep, being able to have three meals a day where two of them have a very large portion of vegetables, people I'm and protein, like more, a lot of my clients under eat their protein. It's insane. I didn't think it was a thing until you love protein. You love salmon. I love salmon. Yeah. I love protein. My friends make fun of me because I eat a pound of meat a day, but I mean, I look good. I look great. <laughs> I look good. It tastes good and it gets me to my goals. You know, I really am just winning here at this point. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what they're complaining about right. or making fun of me for, I guess, but yeah, it's just get the basics, you know, try to, to get those whole foods in your diet, learn how to cook, learn how to sleep or like find a way that helps you unwind and relax. Sure. Because if you're just going to hammer yourself and never actually recover, you're never going to make progress. I couldn't agree more. And also I learned this, gosh, maybe a month ago, I was doing some research into a company and um, uh, just kind of listening to their methodology. And uh, it's in terms of sleep, just because I went to bed at 10 and I woke up at six does not mean I slept for eight hours. I was just laying in bed for eight hours. So yeah, also yeah. start to assess that as well for a lot of people, you know, again, going to bed at 10 and waking up at six is not eight hours of sleep. It could be like five and a half hours. So like also kind of looking at that as well, I think would be really important to mention. Yeah, definitely. Definitely be aware of like the true things that you're doing it's like you could be laying in bed for eight hours, but if you're not actually sleeping, it's not the same thing. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you if you had your own podcast, okay. <laughs> And your these two top favorite companies of yours were to reach out and say, "Hey, we want to sponsor you." What would those companies be? They can be anything. It doesn't have to be health and wellness related. Huh? It's definitely really, not going to be Dunkin' Donuts. I'll tell you that. No, it's definitely not going to be Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts is trash. <laughs> I'm going to get slaughtered for saying that. Oh man, I really—it's so hard because I don't attach to a lot of things. Um, I'm trying to look around in the room and I guess I don't really see anything that calls to me. Could we say it could be also be an object, maybe like wild, fresh caught salmon. Mm. I guess I'd be, I'd be happy to be sponsored by a local farm that does grass fed, uh, that sells grass fed. Oh, there's actually a market, uh, near us called Lee's marketplace. And they have a ton of like farm raised stuff, um, grass-fed, grass-finished beef, cage-free range, um, free-range eggs and stuff like that. So that'd be a really cool sponsor to get. Okay. Can, can I put you down as that's your official sponsor of your podcast? Sure. Yeah. I don't see why not. I love that. Um, <laughs> and then what inspires you, whether it's something you provide in your work for clients or it's something you observe in the community and someone else is doing, well, what really lights you up? What inspires you? Um. I want to be the person that my clients think of me or my friends and family think of me and expect me to be, you know, my friends always, they tell me that I'm very fun to be around because I'm so expressive and animated and they like that. I'm like always trying to learn a lot of things and be smart about certain things and, you know, speak well or like articulate things well in the sense that like, I no longer have this absolute mindset, or at least I try not to. I'm not, obviously I'm not perfect. I still work on it every day, but I guess what drives me to continue like doing the hard things is that like, that makes me the person that I say that I am. And it, mm. I also serve the people around me and I make them better by being the person that I'm supposed to be. And like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, instead of focusing on such like, um, aesthetics or things like that it's like I want to be the person that everyone knows that if you told me that you need something done I would do it for you or if you had a question about something I said you know what I will get back to you and I'll figure that out so like authenticity is like a big driver for you yeah being authentic you know doing your due diligence and just staying sticking true to your word yeah I love that uh Ashley thanks for coming on today 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel like that I uh, definitely was all over the place, but I hope that yeah. it was entertaining for everyone. <laughs> you're, you're perfect. And, and thank you to all the listeners for listening to another episode. We'll see you on the other side. Happy Halloween, everybody. We're going to release Happy Halloween. today on what's the date? It is October 27th. A new podcast is coming your way in like 10 minutes. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah.